it's fall, families back in school, all the things. We thought, hey, this would be a good time to do a series about families, about parenting. We thought parenting is tough. We want to give some resources. We want to give you some biblical help and encouragement on that. Now, I know that not all of you are parents right now. So um, maybe you're thinking, man, this is the day I should have stayed home and slept in. Right, or next week, I'm going to go camping or whatever. No, I just want to really encourage you, even if you're not a parent, there's going to be a lot here that's for you. We're looking at some principles that, yes, they apply to parenting, but they also apply broadly to a lot of issues in life, to the Christian life. So at, at, I'll come back to some of that in a minute to kind of tell you what I mean. And so if you're not a parent, I want to encourage you to um, hang in there with us and see what God might be saying to you through our series If you are a parent today, I want to just tell you a little bit about kind of where I'm coming from in this this sermon, because I'm a parent, I raised two kids, and my wife Sally raised three kids, and and we were married later, later in life, seven years ago, we blended our families, so we have between us five adult children, and um, I, I want you to know like, okay, that we, we haven't been perfect parents, okay? So maybe you could relate to us and relate to the things I want to share with you guys today. Uh, five are not following Jesus at all, okay? Just not even in their, in their frame of reference anywhere. And then one of them is, one of the five is, would, would, I think he would call himself a Christian um, at some, of some sort. It's a, it's a kind of Christianity that I don't really get, you know, and really understand. So it's really different from what I would call a Christian. And then, and then we have another one who, he's a Christian, but he's not really living it out very consistently. And I wouldn't say it's like his, his go-to all the time. And, and then we have one, our, our youngest one is serving Jesus, and her, she and her husband are all out, and they're, they're really going for it um, in their faith 100%. So we've got the whole spectrum in our lives. And so I'm going to share with you some things from the Word of God today. I want you to know that I'm not just speaking from an ivory tower and that um, I think I've got a pretty practical perspective, a pretty good perspective on parenting on both, you know, the good and the bad and the ups and the downs of parenting today. And so I want you to know that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm not coming from, from the perfect expertise of like the flawless parent at all, but from maybe some things that you guys can relate to as well. And so we're going to be looking at these three topics that you see up on the screen. Today, the principle number one, where it all starts as a parent, and you know what, in every area of life as well, putting God first. We'll talk about that and how that applies to, to all of us, really. Next week, we're going to talk about discipline and... Um, what it is, why we do it as parents, how to do it, how to do it in love. And you know what? Even if you're not a parent, if you're in a position where you supervise somebody or you have someone under, under your authority or management in some way, you're going un- to learn some things from that because it's really not just about parenting. It's about human relationships. And so any relationship you're, you're in could have some application. Same thing with the third week when we're talking about learning to affirm our kids that's just a general relationship principle that's valid no matter who it is, whether it's our kid or, or whether it's somebody else in our life. And so when we look at these three topics, I want you to understand that I don't have any formulas for you today. 
Okay, so a lot of times in life, we just wish that we had this formula, right? Maybe it's American culture. We think that way. If you just do A and you do B, then C is going to be the guaranteed result. Well, parenting is not like that. If you've been a parent for very long, you know that maybe you did A and B and C didn't happen. Okay, so we're not going to give you any cut and dried formulas. You just have to do this. I'm not going to give you a bunch of guarantees about parenting because the thing about it is that there's so much about parenting that's out of our control as parents. Now, what I want to try to do is encourage you about some things that are in your control, some attitudes, some choices you might make, some behaviors you might do. There's so much that's out of our control. We live in a world full of influences, and as your child gets older, they're going to be influenced more and more by the world around them, and it can be an evil world. There's some, there's some really uh, bad things out there that could touch the lives of our kids. Now, as a parent, I believe that you have a greater influence over your child's life than any, than any other voice, especially when they're young. And so you wanna, we want to maximize that influence the best we know how. But there's also going to be other things out there that, that aren't in your control. And one of the things that's not in your control as a parent is the independent choices that your child makes. We can't make their choices for them. In fact, as they grow older, we don't want to make their choices for them. We want to equip them to make great choices for themselves. But sometimes you're going to pour into your kids, you're going to, you know, sweat and bleed for them, and you're going to coach them and train them and everything, and that you're going to do all the right things, and they're going to make choices that are not the choices that you would have made for them. That could be something as trivial as like they choose to not root for your sports team. Or it could be something as major as they choose not to follow Jesus the way you do. And so um, we have to be gracious to ourselves as parents, right? So, I mean, in our our situation, we have two of our kids, the two that aren't following Christ at all. There's things that happened in their lives that were out of our control that have shaped, dramatically shaped their lives. One of our our boys, when he was uh, in high school, he saw his friend die right in front of him, swimming across the, the lake, and, and the kid just went under and didn't come up. How, how, what effect do you think that probably had on a young teenage boy? And a daughter, we have our daughter that, when she was early in high school, she went through some horrible things that she didn't choose. And so, in both cases, that, that had a huge emotional effect in their life, and that spilled over into a spiritual effect in their life. And our job as parents, we're, we're just trying to pick up the pieces. We're trying to like, kind of put it together, back together. It wasn't parenting as usual suddenly anymore, you know. And, and so those events were beyond our control, and they've shaped how our kids have experienced life and faith. And so what I'm saying is, as we begin this series, is that, look, as a parent, I want to be honest before God. I want to be willing to look in the mirror and take ownership of ways that I've failed, I've messed up. I can look back and say, man, I wish I had done that differently. But at the same time, I want to also walk in grace and, and say, look, look, there's areas that, that I, I couldn't have done differently, or I didn't know enough to do differently, or that are outside of the reach of my influence. And so we want to kind of have both you know, I want to improve, I want to grow, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't want to be beat up myself up, and I don't want you to condemn yourself. 
over the things that in the past that, that you can't change. And so what I do want to say is that even though there's no formulas, no guarantees, there still are principles that make a difference. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When, when you put God first, you know, that's going to give your kids the best possible shot that they have. If you want to give your kids the best possible opportunity to thrive spiritually and in every area of life, then this is where it starts. It starts as a parent in our decision, I'm going to put God first and I'm going to try to build that into the framework of my home. So let's take a look at that. Again, we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 5 and chapter 6. And the first thing we see that comes out of that is that parenting is like everything else in life. If you put God first, the rest of it falls into place. Now, that verse that we read uh, on the screen a minute ago, that, that boy read for us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Right, so that's what we're talking about, putting God first in our life. Now, the context of that is in the book of Deuteronomy that the Israelites had come out of slavery in Egypt, and God promised He's going to park them in a land of their own that they could possess. And so they're poised on the borders of the land. They're about to go in, and Moses says, look, before you go, I'm going to give you one last instruction. And he gathered them all, and the book of Deuteronomy is actually a speech that written down that now for us that Moses gave to them. They're kind of final instructions, kind of the, kind of the pregame talk right before they go in. And they're going to go into this new land, and they're going to start setting up social structures and setting up a whole culture, a whole way of living. They're going to set up their families and their economy and, and everything else. And so Moses says, look, before you do that, let me remind you of the foundation and the footing that you're going to build that life on. And so when he gets to chapter 5, now that's, that's where he reiterates for them the Ten Commandments. Now the Ten Commandments had been given a generation before, back in Exodus on Mount Sinai. And now as this, this next generation is going to go into the land, he's, he reminds them, this is the ethical, moral foundation that you're going to build this new society on. And so I want to talk a little bit today about how that relates to, to parenting. But first, <clears throat> I want to think for a minute about the role of the law, the role of the Old Testament commandments in our lives, because that was part of God's covenant with Israel, and we're under a different covenant. We're under the new covenant with, through Jesus, but the Old Testament law still has relevance for us today. Now, the relevance of the commandments, it's not a way to get right with God, right? The, the commandments are not a checklist of, of worthiness. They're not like a report card and you can, you know, fill in the report card and you get all A's and you bring it to God and He's going to reward you for that by, by letting you into heaven. Some people would say that in the Old Testament, the Israelites were saved by keeping the law and the New Testament were saved by grace through faith. That's not true. People have always been saved by grace through faith, never by keeping the law. But the law has a role to play. Regardless of that, that's just not it. It has a role to play in helping us understand the character of God. What is God like? What does the holiness of God mean? We look at the commandments, we see, oh, God cares about justice. Oh, God cares about relationships, etc. It helps reveal His character. The law makes a difference for us because it also gives us a picture 
of the kind of life that is best lived, the kind of life that we live in the pathway of God's protection and God's blessing is what it looks like if we do this versus this. And so it gives us kind of a, uh, it's practical instructions for living, but it's kind of like a fence. If you, if you live by the freeway, you're going to put up a fence so that your kids don't go play in dangerous places. Or it's like a guardrail along that, that road that goes over the pass, you know, that windy road. It, it, it's to keep the cars on this side of the road and out of the chasm below. And so that's the function that the law has for us even as Christians today. And one other thing the Bible makes a big deal about is that the commandments of the law reveal to us how much we need a Savior, how much we need God to work in our life. Because, you know, you look at the Ten Commandments, there they are, and you say, man, none of us have fulfilled them the way that we should. None of us have lived up. We can go through every single one and say, man, well, I blew that one. Well, I failed at that one, and I messed that one up. And if you take the Ten Commandments and you put them alongside our lives, man, we get exposed by them. And so our hope before God is not in keeping the commandments of the law. We can't do that. That doesn't give us hope. Our hope before God is in the Savior that He provided for us in in the person of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus fulfilled the law 100%. He kept all of them without flaw. And then beyond that, He fulfilled the law in a different way. He was the ultimate expression of all the Old Testament sacrifices of the law. So when He gave His sacrifice for us, He was a perfect sacrifice because He never failed. And so He could fully take upon Himself all of the times that we failed. He could take upon Himself when He went to the cross. He shouldered for us all the times that we haven't put God first. All the times that we didn't keep the Ten Commandments. He bore that, the penalty for those things before God so that we could be forgiven. That we could be right with God by trusting in Him. And then He rose from the dead in power to give us a new kind of life. And He comes to work. When you trust in Him, He comes to work in your life. And, and changes you from the inside out, and He takes those prescriptions of the law, and He writes them in our heart, and He starts to change our attitude and our motive and our desire, and He puts the Holy Spirit in us so that we begin to, to do the things that the law says that we should do. So you see, that's, that's kind of how it works, right? It, it's, it's not by keeping the law that we're right with God, but when we are right with God through Jesus, then we start to keep the law, and it follows as the result. And so... Applying this to parenthood, then the Ten Commandments do two things for us. Number one is they show us a picture of how we live and how we want to teach our kids to live, but also they very clearly remind us of this principle that it starts by putting God first. And let me show you what I mean. So just look at the first four commandments. I I apologize. These slides are a little bit hard to read. I know that. We're going to fix that next week, I hope. And so, but if you can read that, the first four commandments are all about putting God first. So God, when He gave the commandments, He said, let's start with this, because this is the most important thing. Where am I in your life? Am I at the center? Am I at the pinnacle of your life? You get that straight, and then you can go on and talk about how to deal with relationships with other people and deal with life. And so number one, know God before me. God says, don't put anything else in your life ahead of me. 
And that, that's where the Ten Commandments begin. And so that's where we get this principle of putting God first. That that's the very first thing. Now, that's in Deuteronomy 5. And as you go through Deuteronomy 5 and come to the very end of the, of the chapter, then he gives us kind of a practical summary of what we're supposed to do with these commandments that he gives us. And so in 5 verse 33, Moses says, Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you'll live long and prosperous lives in the land you're about to enter and occupy. He says, man, stay on the path. There's a path. If you follow it, you teach your kids to follow it, then he says, you're going to put yourself in a place where God can bless your life. Right? To put it in negative terms, if you start to wander away from God and you start to put other things in your life first ahead of Him and you let other distractions come and you let other things become so important, then, then what happens is that we can become really confused about life. We can become, we can get, get out of step with God. We can get ourselves on the wrong side of the guardrail, the wrong side of the fence, and cause a lot of trouble for ourselves in life. That's what I want. I want you to be able to avoid that when you go into this land and you set up your life there. That, you know, I want you to be able to be blessed there. And so this is where it starts. Put me first. Now, you know, there's a way in which that promise was just for those people there at that time, part of the God's covenant with them. But the same promise is essentially it's reiterated in the New Testament. That's how I know it applies to us. So I want to put the words of Jesus up alongside the words of Moses here. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 said, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He'll give you everything you need. So Jesus said if you... If you Seek God first, put Him first, put His kingdom first. That means treat God as if He's your king and you're answerable to Him and you put His will and His desires first. He says then all the other things that people are pursuing in life, all the other things that people look to for significance in life, He says those things are going to be fine. God's going to take care of the rest. And so what does it mean to put God first? Let's think about that for a minute. One way to think about that is to look, consider the alternative. Think about the other things that you could put God first, that you could put first in your life instead of God. So maybe for some of us, we put our career and our vocation first. So you're working those long hours trying to climb the ladder, and you're, uh, you know, just that's all you ever think of, and it's the number one thing. You don't have time in your life for God. You don't have time in your life to go to be part of a small group or even to serve it because you're just pursuing that thing first. That's some of us. And I know some are, are pursuing, you know, sports. For me, I'm a big sports fan. And, and you know what? It, it's easy. I have to check myself all the time and say, man, do I love my team more than I love God? Am I get more excited and more jazzed about my team than I do about worshiping God? Maybe that's it for you. Could be recreation. You know, that's a big thing in Utah, right? We're, we're great outdoor people. We love our recreation. And say, man, is that first in my life? Is that what gets me going? Is that what I'm looking forward to every day? Is it my vacation or my boat, my my ATVs, whatever it is that you like to do, my bicycle? Is that the thing that drives me, that motivates me more than God? It could be, you know, your social life and your friends. It could be your politics, your political stance. Maybe that becomes more important to you than, than your service for God. 
You see, see, that's not just a parenting issue, is it? That speaks to all of us. Now, if you are a parent, then you have to think about this. Maybe I've put my kids ahead of God. And, and my relationship, my significance I get out of my kids and my hopes and desires for them and what I want to happen in my life because of them. Or maybe my dream for my kids is not God's dream for my kids. And so this is a good way to, to look in the mirror here a little bit is to ask yourself, what, what would my kids say is the most important thing in my life? Because you know what? Your kids see the unvarnished you, Right? They, they grow, they live with you, they live under your roof. What would they say from what they see in my life? Would they say, you know what, I, I can see that what my dad loves more than anything else, he loves Jesus. Or if you're not a parent, what would your friends say, the ones who know you best, what would they say is the most important thing in your life? So if you're a parent, this is the most important decision you can make that's going to affect your kids more than anything else. You know, I know when our kids are young and they're growing up and they're in teenage years, we think that if I could just get them in the right activities, that's the most important thing. Or if I could just get him or her on the right comp team. Or if I could just get them in the right school, that's the most important. No, the most important decision that we make as parents that affects our kids is our decision that we're going to put God first. And we're going to try to work that into the, our family life. And so, what does that look like? Well, <clears throat> in the context of Deuteronomy, as he moves now from chapter 5 into chapter 6, we see that it looks like obedience. This command to obey applies to every generation. Here's how. Parents obey God. Kids obey parents. Okay, so, that's not just about parenting, is it? It's not just about kids. We're all called to obey God. And um, I know parents like to, like their, we like our kids to hear about obedience, right? Because they're supposed to obey us, right? But what he's going to sh- tell us here in Deuteronomy 6 is that this is really an issue for every single one of us in our life. So Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 1, says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And if you obey all His decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. So he's speaking not just to kids, but he says you guys and your kids and your grandkids. This is an issue for all of us. Are we going to obey God? Now, as a parent, then it becomes a matter of integrity, a matter of consistency. Because I don't want to be the parent that says to my kids, essentially, do what I say, not what I do. I don't want to be the parent, the hypocrite parent. You know what? Kids can smell out that, that hypocrisy, that inconsistency. They can sniff that out from 100 miles away. And they know right off the bat... <clears throat> when I'm just telling them to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So as a parent, it starts with me and my relationship with God to say, am I willing to be obedient to God? Am I sold out to God? Before I tell my kids that they need to obey me, am I willing to obey my Father in heaven? And see, that becomes a matter then of credibility for me as a parent to my kids. And so 
the flip side of that, I said that so parents obey God, kids obey their parents, at least until they're adults. And so the flip side of that is in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on the earth. So he says, kids, okay, this is our, your part, kids. You obey your parents, just like your parents are called to obey God. And then he quotes the Old Testament. Actually, this is the Ten Commandments. He's quoting right here when he quotes the Fifth Commandment, honor your parents. Um, that's what kids are called to do. So l- let's look at how that links back then to the Ten Commandments. We saw the first four are about honoring God, living for God, putting Him first. And then if you look at the last five, you see those are about loving your neighbor, loving one. And Jesus said that, right? He said, here's the summary of the whole law. Love God, love your neighbor. There it is right there. Well, the one that's in the middle, the fifth command He says, honor your father and mother. That's like the link between the two parts. That's like the hinge that moves us from the one to the other. Because, see, when we we honor our parents, that's how we learn to honor God. You know, when you're a child, you don't don't have an abstract sense of God, but there's your parents right there. And as you learn to honor your parents, then you grow up with a capacity to learn to honor God and to obey God. And then, and then that, it's that family setting, if you think about it, that's the very first place in life where we learn to honor, uh, where we learn to love our neighbor, right? Your neighbor who lives in the bedroom down the hall from you, the neighbor who lives under the same roof as you. That's our first encounter with the challenge to love the people around us. And so the family is the place where that happens. We learn this in those family relationships. So we're talking about obedience as an expression of putting God first. Let me just say this. I want to put it into context, right? That this is not about just checking boxes or crossing um, off things off a list. This is a heart thing. Our obedience to God is a joyful thing. It's a hopeful thing because it's in response to the beauty of His grace to us. It's in response to the promises and the blessings that He's given to us. And so when we obey God, it's not an onerous duty, right? It's, it's a joy-filled relationship in response to everything He's done. And that's the kind of obedience that we hope our kids will grab and, and will catch from us as we model it to them. Now, there's the final thing. <clears throat> let, me, let me bring it home with this. As we move into the rest of chapter 6 and look at the verses that we had read to us earlier, wholehearted obedience should impact every part of our lives, both personally and as a family unit. Okay, so let's look back at the, the verses that were read initially, chapter, four, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, where he says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So you see, this isn't isn't just for parents. Now, in the next verse, he's going to talk about the application to parents and families. But this is for all of us. 
And what it shows is that putting God first is not just a Sunday thing. Right? It's not just like, oh, I'm going to put God first for a couple hours on my weekend, and then I'm going to just go put me first the rest of the week or put this other thing. No, it's not just a Sunday thing. It's a whole life. If you love God with your whole heart and your whole soul and your whole strength, how do you compartmentalize that into just a couple hours of the week? And I, and I want you to also understand, even though we've been talking about obedience, that this is the foundation underlying the obedience, that this is not just something that you do, right? But it becomes who we are. See, he talks about the inner part of us, the soul, the heart, everything I've got. And how could I express that just and limit that just to a list of the things that I do? No, it's, it's who we are. That's what we're called to. That's what we're empowered to by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Well, what does that look like? Again, we're trying to explore some different things that that looks like. In, in this case, I think it, we express that personally and as a family both. So the first thing is what we're calling the per, these personal disciplines. So the, the question is then, if I put God first, what does that look like Monday morning? If I love the Lord my God with my whole heart and soul and strength, what does that look like on Tuesday and Wednesday? And one way to think about that is through these practices, like the ones that are listed up there, that keep us connected with God. Prayer, Bible reading, when I'm serving Him and making a difference and impact in the lives of others. How, how do I stay connected with God day in and day out? And connected with his priorities, connected with what matters to him. Because you know, if you're a parent, you know this. All of us understand this in some level of life or, or another. That if we're going to make it in this life, if we're going to succeed in the things God set before us, we need him. We need to draw on his power in our lives, on his strength. We need to draw on his wisdom. We need his life poured into our life. And that happens through this vital personal connection with Him that's expressed and cultivated on these, on these personal disciplines. We need that. But there's a family application as well, a, a group application, you could say. And that is, we're, we're calling these family disciplines, things like going to church together as a family, serving together as a family. It's great to see when families are here this morning, as you, many of you are, it's great to see some of our campuses have families that serve together on a clean team, for example, or on a worship team. We, we see that here at, at Logan Campus. We see that sometimes there's a, a parent and a son or a daughter that serve together in kids' church. What a, what a great way to cement those relationships of family, of putting God first. And, th- and, and then there's family time. Let me explain that. But let me, I just remembered, I wanted to share with this, like, Going to church together, serving together, you don't have to have kids to do that. If you're a family, you don't have kids yet, or your kids are gone, or whatever it might be, you still do those things. Those are still valuable. If you're a single person, and you live with roommates who are Christians, right, that's your sort of de facto family in a sense right now, right, and so you can still come to church together. You can still serve together and knit, knit your little sort of roommate family together. But then when we talk about family time, what I, what I mean by that is 
the time that we spend with our family intentionally talking about things of God, intentionally bringing the Word of God into our family life, okay? So, again, that could be as a married couple, and you, you could use the resources at PursueGod.org to have some conversations. Those resources, by the way, they're invented for the simple purpose of making it easier for people to have those conversations. You could do that with your roommates. But if you're a parent, then depending on the age of your kids, you could use PursueGod.org, but you could also use PursueGodKids.org. And if you haven't explored that site, we really encourage you to do that. We created it to help create a link from what's happening in kids' church downstairs to what's happening at home. And so that gives you resources to follow up on what your kids are hearing. But there's a lot of great topics that aren't necessarily related to kids' church that you could use depending on what your kids need right now and where they're at and their age and so forth right now. But, but the thing is, is in this family time, I mean, it could be five minutes after dinner. It could be ten minutes before bed. It doesn't have to be every single night of the, of the week or day of the week. It could, be, it could become a 30-minute conversation. It could be a three-minute conversation. But it's an intentional way of trying to create that conversational environment in your home where it becomes normal to talk about God's Word together as a family. I, I got to tell you, man, I wish this tool was around when, when my kids were young in our, in our home. I wish I, there was a tool like this that we could have used. I mean, I, I'm a pastor, and I'm theologically trained and all the rest, but, but this would have made it so much easier. In fact, it would have helped me probably to, to bring it down out of the clouds, right, and make it practical for kids. I wish this, so take advantage of this, man. This is a blessing to have a resource like this. And really, the whole idea for this comes right out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so we see it in verses 6 and 7. We saw verse 6 already. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. That's for everybody. But then here's for families. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. It's a whole life experience. And there's those teachable moments in our kids' lives. But if we're practicing intentional family time using these tools that are available to us, then what that happens is that makes it easier for that conversational environment in our family to happen in those teachable moments that just happen when you're driving in around town. You're driving to, to something together. You're getting up. You're going to bed. That's what we want to see happen in our lives is to develop this pattern of intentional conversations all day long. So give it a try. So here's what I want to say to close. I just, you know, Sally and I wish our kids were putting God first. All of them. Not just one of them, right? And, but the thing is that, that we haven't given up hope. God's still at work. So we still pray for our kids on a regular basis. All week long we're praying for our kids. We still have relationship with them. We're still intentional as much as we can be in those relationships with our kids, trying to help them understand biblical principles of life. We want to love them in a way that they understand God's love. We want to support and encourage them and embrace them and affirm them in a way that, that hopefully they can see the mercy and love of God through us somehow. So we haven't given up because we don't think God has given up in their life. 
But now, that whole, the whole question of putting God first for them, each one of them, that's now between them and God. And we did our best to lay a foundation. It, we didn't always do that perfectly by a long shot. But there's enough foundation that's been laid there that now they can, they have, they can make a choice. And it's up to them and God to decide what they're going to do with the foundation that we gave them. But here's the thing now for us, the main thing, we stay in relationship. We stay, you know, uh, try to bless and encourage them. But the main thing for us is that we need to keep putting God first in our lives. And hopefully they see that. They see what that looks like as we do that. And so that's, that, that's what we want to encourage you to do today, to evaluate, is God first in your life? What moves you? What motivates you? You know, what is the thing that you, matters most that you get up in the morning for? Where do you put your time, your resources? Is there something that's competing with God in your life right now? Again, maybe what would your kids say about that? What would your friends say about that? But wherever you're at in this journey of, of parenting, I just want to close with this verse. Let me read this to you. The Apostle Paul says, Forgetting the past... And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. You hear that? I want to encourage you to press on. Wherever you're at in parenting, I want to encourage you to keep looking forward. Don't let, you know, maybe you blew it in the past. Don't let that take you out of the race. Because God's grace is always enough to start again. Jesus paid the price. God's grace is always enough to start again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness to us, your mercies in Christ. Thank you, God, that you're a perfect parent for us. And, you know, your love for us never ends. And we just pray for that same wisdom and that same love and, uh, for us toward our, toward our kids. And we pray, Father, that regardless if we have kids or not, that you'd move in our heart, that, that you'd stimulate our desire to put you first. That we know we'll never regret that decision to put you first. I know there's a lot of things that compete with that in our hearts, in the world around us. And a lot of times we think that life is better if we don't, if we pursue something else. So, God, we need your, your help we need your Holy Spirit to come and empower us to put you first and to live it out in the choices and the actions of our lives. So, Father, we trust in you, trust you to work, trust you for the fresh start that we need, trust you to work in the lives of the people we care about beyond our, that are beyond our control. And we ask you, God, to, to, to do it in Jesus' name for his honor and glory forever. Amen.